0: Here it is another Saturday in CCUL, and it's time for our weekly wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Morning, Jack. Hi there. Is your air conditioning working okay? Ah, uh, we can only hope. <laughs> so far, so good. Glad to hear that, yes. You know, it's interesting that we've got a very hot day coming up. Mm-hmm. And last week, uh, one of my sons had a big open house for his my granddaughter who graduated, and I we left relatively early. I said, "Well, how the party?" He said, well, we ran out of rosé. I said, "Isn't that amazing?" You ran out. You know, hey, here's a fellow that plans parties for a living, tells yes. people how much wine they should have. But the explosion that has occurred in rosé wine is absolutely incredible. There's been nothing like it. When I thought of this last week, and I looked into rosé, I found out much to my chagrin that in 2016, in France, rosé wine outsold white wine. Mm. I mean, these are staggering statistics. So I looked at our little uh, chain of stores, and uh, we sold double in 16 what we sold in 15. And so far in 17, we're on the way to double it again. And that's just amazing to me, uh, that a wine that, you know really was very unpopular for a long time, has regained its footing. And, of course, real wine people uh, never, rosés never really went out of style. They just sort of slowed down and weren't very fashionable to drink. But rosé wine has a very noble history. When you look back, you know, champagnes of hundreds of years ago were all pink. You know, they t- and wine... Uh, years ago, was more pink than red, because the reason being is they would take, you know, most wine grapes are red, and when they make the wine, they would not leave it to macerate with the skins and pips and that too long, so they would take it off, and there'd be a pink hue to it on all red wines. They weren't really dark red. In fact, there's a process in France today called bleeding, and what that is is when they press the grapes, Right after they press it, they bleed a little bit of juice off of it to make those pressed red grapes a little more intense and flavorful and stronger and able to last longer, et cetera, the red wine. So what do they do with the uh, bleeding wine? Well, a lot of times they top up the barrels, uh, which is necessary because of evaporation, or sometimes just even throw it out. But a lot of people that were a little uh, more... Uh, economic-minded would make house rosé, and that would be a rosé just for the family, and they'd make a barrel of it or so, and they would drink that on hot days like today. Uh, The French really have a real long history of producing rosés, and that's perhaps why rosé is so popular in France today. The biggest area for production of rosé in the whole world is Provence, and that beautiful area of Provence, you know, you drive through the hills and you see those fields of lavender, etc. cetera. It, it's a romantic area with the minstrel winds coming through, etc. But their wine there that they produce primarily is rosé wine, and Provence is the leader in producing rosé for all of France and really for the whole world. You see a lot of of wines, rosé wines from Provence, and they run the gamut. They run anywhere from uh, $16, let us say $20. I think Brad Pitt and his wife get over $20, his ex-wife, get over $20 for their rosé from Provence, which is at the high end, but you can get a pretty good one for $10, 12 And then the Rhone Valley after Provence, uh, well, no, we shouldn't overlook Tavel. Tavelle is an area of the Rhone Valley that produces nothing but rosé. And I always tell the story: the first time I ever experienced it, I was on my very first wine trip to Europe, and we had stopped in uh, along the French Riviera on a Sunday to take a day off, and we got a um, cabana, and they served food in the cabana. And we, my wife, said, "Well, let's have a salad, Niçoise." Uh, and I said, "Okay, and the waiter said, "You must have Tavel with that." Well, I never forgot it. We had Tavel with it, and it was a marriage made in heaven. I don't know whether it was being in love with my wife and on a beautiful sunny day or it was just the fact that the wine was that good, but I never ever forgot that, and I've always drunk tavel in the warm weather because I think it's perfect, and I've never had a salad Niwa unless it was a lunch and we weren't drinking, without a glass of Tevelle with it, because it is it is perfect. But then they have all the other Rhone wines. Uh, Grenache grape uh, and the Syrah grape produce some very good rosés. So uh, throughout the Rhone Valley in France, you get some just excellent r- little Cote de that they, they come in red, white, and rosé, and the rosés are often real, real fine. Uh one thing we should clarify right away is very, very few winemakers make rosé by mixing red and white wine. Actually, the policy and the manufacture that way is frowned upon by almost anybody with any significance in the wine business. What they prefer is just leaving the grapes in contact less and less time to produce the rosé they want. And a lot of rosé producers... The color is as very important as the flavor and aroma and everything else. So you can get a rosé, anything from a pale onion skin color to uh, a, almost a dark red. Some Tavels look like red wine, and they really are terrific. But that uh, area of France, the Rhone Valley, is really uh, produces some remarkable, full-bodied, wonderful rosé wines. As I said, after Provence, it's one of the larger areas for producing sparkling wines, or are, are, uh, rosé wines. But then there are other areas, of course, in Sancerre. You can get, you know, we've talked about Sancerre. It's, my, in my opinion, Sauvignon Blanc with a college education. They make a Sancerre Rosé, which is very, very good, and a, a delightful summer drink. Uh, in most regions, as I said, in France, they make a rosé. I remember a few years ago we were at a party at Chateau Clark, and Clark, uh, Chateau Clark is owned by the wealthiest of the Rothschilds, Nathan, and uh, they were serving as an aperitif of rosé. And I went up to his wife, I said, this is just delicious. Uh, is this for sale? She well, we, and again, it was that bleeding method. They made a little rosé for themselves, and they had a lot of grapes to bleed, so they could serve it at receptions and things like that. She said, we've never sold it commercially. Are you interested? And I said, yes, it's delicious. And so we were able to get about 50 cases of Chateau Clark rosé, which was an instant hit. Uh, because the wine was just terrific, and again, it was made in that bleeding method. And as I said earlier about Champagne, all the Champagnes a long time ago were very sweet and pink, and so uh, they were mostly rosé. And today Champagne produces some remarkable rosés, and a good evidence of that is if you get Dom Perignon or Louis Rood or Crystal or any of the great marks of Champagne, and you pay a hundred and some dollars a bottle for them. If you want the rosé in that same Dom Perignon, you'll pay almost an extra hundred dollars to get it. That's how highly valued it is. And what changed in the United States was after World War II, a couple of Portuguese people that were very inventive had some wines called Matus and Lancers, and that's what really introduced America to wine drinking, in years ago, in fact, you go into a restaurant, and that'd be the only two wines they'd have: Lancers or Matus, both Portuguese rosés, and they were very, very popular. They were a little on the sweet side. Rosé got its death blow, in my opinion, from the introduction of white Zinfandel or American blush wines. They were created for the American market, and they were definitely sweeter. And so, uh, everybody associated rosé. With those sweet wines like Sutter Home whites and uh, and the problem was the whole area of rose wines got a black eye due to that. But believe me, go and try a rose. There's no good reason everybody likes rose. They're easy to drink. They're generally low in alcohol. There's good fruit. they roses like a Tavel from France is intense enough for a red wine drinker to say, hey, this is really something. And every wine-producing area of the entire world produces rosés. As I said, I kind of brushed over Portugal. They still make wonderful rosés in Portugal, Spain, Italy, Rosados uh, from Italy are just absolutely wonderful. There's so many of them. And, and, you know, California produces some remarkable roses. They're starting to make them in Oregon. Everybody is jumping on the bandwagon because they've become so popular. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, here in the United States, we'll uh, come close to our French counterparts. and Maybe in three or four years we'll say, Rosé wine outsells white wine in the United States. It's a long ways away, believe me. But stranger things could happen. At any rate, if you're looking for something wonderful on this steamy, hot day, try a glass of rosé. If you haven't had a rosé in a long, long time or you're disdainful of them, please try one. I guarantee you, you'll lose that bias, and you'll become a fan. I don't know anybody who drinks wine who isn't a fan of a rosé once in a while. Oh, yeah. Today's a perfect day for it, Denny. I tell you what, and they go to the nearest Haskell's. Those folks will help you out no matter what your budget is, uh, because they're careful about that, too. Again, Jack, send them to Haskell's, right? Exactly. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. And as a matter of fact, their summer wine sale has started. And what a sale it is! They have roses on sale. You just can't imagine. We used to brag we had 40 of them. Now we've got closer to 90 rosés are available at Haskell's. And the folks at Haskell's will help you if you're preparing a special dish. They'll help you pick the perfect wine. They can't come in the kitchen to help you, but they can ensure that the the dish and the wine are an appropriate match. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's, of course, in Bloomington, Chanhassen. Haskell's in Excelsior. Uh, right off of the Lake Minnetonka, on uh, Fairboat off of 35, our huge Maple Grove Supercellar, Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday, Minnetonka, Plymouth, St. Paul, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to haskells.com or com slash wine, and it'll take you right to our website where you can peruse our summer catalog. Oh, and incidentally, for thinking about something for Father's Day, don't miss the Haskell's Boat Cruise, a luncheon boat cruise in Croy on the 17th of June from noon to three, lunch and a wine tasting, over 50 wines. Don't miss it. Oh, Dad would love that. Oh, perfect. (laughs) This Dad would. I know. Well, Jack, (laughs) let's talk next week. What do you say? I'm going to look forward to it, Denny. Thanks very much. Jack Farrell from Haskell's Wine Chat next week here on CCO.